0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. Thanks for joining us today. You know, Elon Musk, I don't know what to make of the guy still. I really don't, but when he causes these complete meltdowns on Twitter by saying things that are like pretty reasonable, it does make me feel good. It's funny to see the Ukrainian flag people absolutely melt down and lose it. And something that I forgot to talk about the last time, but we could talk about it right now. You know... I've been reading this book called The Machiavellians by James Burnham. You should read it. I've probably mentioned it before. And it's also something we've talked about where you got to ask yourself like what do you mean? Like what do these things mean when people say them? When someone says something like we have to make America safe for democracy, What does that actually mean? Because people talk about these things. I was just watching like clips of the debate between Beto O'Rourke and Greg Abbott in Texas. And they didn't have it in front of an audience, which I think is better. Because especially when you got a guy like Beto O'Rourke, who's just going to say platitudes for claps. And you remove that tool. And realistically, if you had that debate, if you had an hour debate in texas between beto o'rourke and greg abbott probably 20 minutes would be clapping it would be pauses for clapping and cheering because beto o'rourke would be like migrants are people too and people would clap and he would say things like you know the the growing white supremacist threat in this country and people would clap and uh that would be most of it. So at this point, I mean, probably we should have been doing this for decades now, but the live audience for a debate, I mean, why even have the debates anymore? Like, no one's swaying anyone in either direction. Even your best performance isn't going to make you vote. Like, if Beto, and to be honest with you, he was, from what I saw, and I saw, I watched probably 10 minutes of it, he was fine. And I don't live in Texas but if I did I wouldn't then vote for him. It wouldn't change my stance. It's like he's left wing. So I wouldn't vote for him just that's enough. And maybe that's not entirely true because if there was like a if if the if the left was like infiltrated by like a secret populist and what's a populist? Like what does populism mean? That's the other thing. Doesn't populism just mean democracy? But democracy's good and populism's bad. How does that work exactly? Oh, he's a populist. Well, what makes him a populist? He just says what people want to hear. He he's trying to do things that, you know, most of the country is in favor of, like most of the population. You know, his populism And it's anti-democratic. It goes against the tenets of democracy to be trying to advocate for what most people want. It's unacceptable. That's a funny... It's like, what is... What is democracy and what is populism and what's the difference? I think a lib would have a hard time defining that. They'd be like, well, populism is fascism and then you'd be like well what's fascism what if a lot of people want it is it democracy or is it not democracy anymore no it's no it's not no that's not democracy so something that happened that we didn't talk about was the the referenda In these regions of Ukraine. Where these Ukrainian citizens who lived in the East voted to no longer be part of... Or no longer be governed by the Kiev regime. Basically. Because it's not even necessarily... like You don't have to interpret it necessarily that they want to be Russian. You can just interpret it that they no longer view... The Kiev regime is their legitimate government, as they haven't for years. And now they're voting to not be part of it anymore. Because that makes the numbers make more sense. But we'll talk about the numbers too. So leading up to these referenda, every news source was calling them so-called referenda. And like, what are these? They're just votes. They're having votes, referendums. To um be independent states rather than to be governed by Kiev. And leading up to it, they kept calling them so-called referenda to undermine the legitimacy. So they're they're saying these are illegitimate they're saying it's it doesn't count. If you are in if you are In Ukraine with their current borders or their 2000, if you're in Ukraine uh, with their, you know, 1991 borders and you view the Kiev regime as not your legitimate government, then that's illegitimate. And that's not democracy. It's anti-democratic. You see, does that make sense? It has to make sense. It has to. And if you vote to leave and not be a part of that any longer, then that is not democracy, but fascism, somehow, I think. And so what is like the regime really saying when it calls like our regime now, or Kiev's, which is basically one and the same. Kiev is like a vassal, vassal government of ours. Ukraine's like a vassal state of the United States, as are many countries. So when they start, before the voting even starts, what is someone saying when they say, oh, they're going to have this sham referendum? What they're saying is, I'm anticipating the outcome and it's not the one that I want. So that's what is really being said. What's literally being said is these are just a scam, these votes. And they're not they're they're getting bullied by Russian thugs pointing guns at their faces saying you better vote the right way. And what is actually being said in reality is we know how they're gonna vote, and it's not good. It's not the vote that we want, so it's not democracy. It's like when Liz Cheney just got the boot. From office and they said this is dangerous for democracy so what you're saying is democracy is dangerous for democracy when the democracy doesn't vote for the democracy because they're voting for fascists so that's fascism when you're voting for fascists and fascist is anyone who's not left-wing so if you're not voting left-wing then your democracy isn't democracy it's fascism are you keeping up with this So they call them sham referenda. And you know what? The the numbers at the votes are ridiculous. There's no denying that. I mean, you're talking about like 95% of people vote to leave and no longer be part governed by Kiev. So is that suspicious? Yes, it is. I wouldn't deny that. But what you need to ask yourself is this question. If they did the vote, and the, the vote resulted in these regions saying we no longer want to be governed by Kiev, if the vote tally was 51% to 49%, would the American media say that these were legitimate elections? So the, the percentage is irrelevant. It could be 100%, or it could be 51%. Or it can be 65%. It doesn't make a difference. They would always be a sham. Unless the result of the vote was that these regions wanted to remain governed by Kiev. In which case those would be legitimate. But they knew that that was not going to happen. So before they even started they said well we're just going to say it's a scam. Because we know how they're going to vote. Because we know what Kiev's been doing these regions for the past eight years because they're aware of it. I mean, the people who are, I'm taking a sip of water. The people who are um, writing these narratives, they're aware of everything that's taking place, even though the general public is not. So they know the way that the vote is gonna go, so they're like, Well, we better get ahead of this thing and just say it's a scam before it starts. Which is which is just politics, and that's fine, but what I'm saying is the percentage of the vote is not relevant. Because if it was fifty one percent, it would still be a scam. But if it was like forty eight percent voting to leave, then it would be legitimate so it doesn't matter. of course it was always going to be a scam. so this this has made me think like what what does well i don't know. i just love i love the the mind of the ukrainian flag person because it's distinct and we probably discussed this that it's not necessarily left wing even though it's mostly Now, if you see someone on Twitter with the Ukrainian flag, it's almost certainly a liberal. But there's a possibility that this is like an American patriot. And it's like a particular type of American patriot because it's not a necessarily bad thing. It's Just like where do you derive your patriotism for for America? Where does that derive from? Is it from... You know, like the ethos, the supposed values of America, which are pretty solid, I would say. If that's where you're deriving your patriotism from, then it's fine, patriotism. And even if there's some nationalism in there and some America first, I don't think that's bad. In fact, it could be good. But if it's for spreading democracy worldwide then that is like stupid patriotism and that's why these people have become ukrainian flag people and all of despite the fact that all of their political enemies are on the same side on this one they don't seem to really mind that or it they're like well they could be right on this thing and so they're like I support Ukraine because I support America because I support democracy. And that's why I'm a proud Ukrainian flag person. And I would respond to that by saying, why do you even care about Ukraine? Because Ukraine's irrelevant. It's only relevant for a minute. And in the scheme of things, it will only be a minute. By the time Ukraine has, you know, lost this war, it will have been a minute, big picture, and it will go back to being this irrelevant but corrupt country, mostly used for money laundering by rich people in the in the West, and no one will care about Ukraine. I mean, it will be the same fate as COVID. People will go, "Oh, are you still talking about? Are you still talking about that?" It'll be even worse. Because with COVID, at least, the COVID zealot can still say to this day that they know someone who has COVID or they got COVID. It still exists. But Ukraine as just being like a legitimate nation on the world stage will no longer exist. Like there will still be Ukraine. It just will effectively not exist. It'll go back to being Ukraine from 2019, which is in a relevant place. Or 2021, it doesn't matter. I mean, I guess in 2021, were they starting to talk about maybe some potential hostilities? I don't know. So maybe let's go with 2019 where it's like, This is a completely irrelevant country. And no one will care about it anymore. And the Ukrainians will still care about it. But no one will care about the Ukrainians anymore. And that's just the reality. I mean, why would anyone think otherwise? See, like, they could still do things like this. I mean, I'm trying to look for this thing. Hold on. All right, I, I was looking for it. I was looking for a tweet from Taylor Lorenz because Taylor Lorenz is a really good look into the mind of the white liberal. I mean, she is basically... Um, she's basically like the queen of the white libs. So if you want to see the state of the mind of the white liberal, then a good place to look is Taylor Lorenz's like Twitter and see the things that she's tweeting, and you'll see the state of white liberalism. And she, yesterday, which was the 3rd of October, was tweeting about, because someone said, like, you know, basically, I think Howard Stern, there was a story about Howard Stern, like, he's finally starting to emerge after all of the COVID stuff, and someone, like, quote tweeted that and said, you know, we, people have to stop doing this and, like, living life in fear, like, just to learn how to deal with the virus. It's been a long time. And Taylor Lorenzo's like, this is so fucked up. People are still dying. Thousands of people are dying, and you just don't care. And it's like, are you talking about Ukraine or are you talking about COVID? COVID! And you're like, okay, I can't even keep up anymore. It's like the same rhetoric. The only addition is the democracy part. Because... Or I mean, I'm sure there are people who are trying to say, like, if you're anti-vax, you're anti-democracy or something like that. Or if you think if you think that lockdowns aren't right, then you think that democracy isn't right or something. But it's less direct and you don't see it as often. But with Ukraine, the whole thing is democracy, democracy, democracy. But otherwise, you could look at a tweet about Ukraine and you could look at a tweet about COVID and be like, which one is this about? If it doesn't say the word in it. Because it's almost the same thing because it was a replacement for them. The white liberal needed a a replacement for COVID to maintain their moral high ground. There's so much better ways to get on a moral high ground that's actually going to be like... That actually has some staying value that might last a few years. Like if your morality was based on COVID, your ability to say that you're better than other people because you care was based on COVID. You had to have seen this coming that eventually you'd need to think of something else. It was fortuitous that a war broke out with Russia involved. So you were able to scooch on over to that moral high ground, but this is also going to end. So you've already got to start thinking of an exit plan. So I would say if you have a liberal friend, tell them to start thinking of an exit strategy. Tell them to start thinking of where their next moral high ground will be. And then the, the, the usual fallback would probably just be democracy and fascism, just generally. So you don't even need Ukraine to be part of the picture for, for you to be a defender of democracy and an enemy of fascism. So they'll just go back to that as like a default until something new happens, probably. Or climate change is a good one, too. And you know what's funny? I, pr- I put together a presentation for work about why climate change is a hoax. Kind of a funny thing, but also pretty sincere in that anyone who saw the presentation would have to reassess their beliefs on climate change, man-made climate change. So I'll probably do an episode about that where I do kind of a a version of that, an audio version of that presentation, because it's Really good, and you should just go to realclimatescience.com. That's realclimatescience.com. I am not affiliated. It's amazing. It's dude. It's great. I finally did a deep dive there. I think I mentioned it on the last episode that I hadn't gone there, but I was putting together this presentation, and I went in. Oh man, it's so good. But but also at the same time, it's like you'll now know something that'll be only useful to you personally. And at least give you some peace of mind. Because some people are susceptible to that kind of thing, even if they think it's bullshit. So even if you're like, I'm taking a sip of water. Even if you're the type of person who thinks like, oh, it's a lot of fear mongering. It's a lot of um, economic stuff with ESG. And they're trying to change the the energy market and the way that you know, where the money goes and things like that, you might still get spooked from time to time when you see like a really bad hurricane, like what happened in Florida. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, is this climate change? Is it real? You'll be reassured looking into this information. It'll give you some peace of mind to know that no, it's it's not changing. In fact, it's gotten better since the 1930s, especially where you have these staggering heat waves, like insane, off the charts, literally off the charts. That's why they start, like I said, they start the charts in, you know, 1960. So it looks like it's been heating up since 1960. So when you're talking about things of that nature, you need to like zoom out more than 50 years. It's like when we talk about government and politics and people think that, You know, the average person thinks that history began in 1939. So they have no perspective. And you read people writing in just the 1800s. Just go back an extra hundred years. Go back to 1839 and start history there even. You don't even have to start history before 1839. I mean, you should, but you don't even have to go back that far. Go back an extra 100 years and you'll be like, holy cow. This really puts things in perspective because you're hearing Like, in Crime and Punishment, there's a male feminist, for example. And that was written in, like, 1860 or something like that. It was around there. And you're like, oh, my God, he's making fun of male feminists in 1860. You didn't know that was a thing. You didn't know there were white liberals, as we call them, in the 1800s. There were. And they were really annoying. And that really puts things in perspective, like the cyclical nature. It'll also give you some peace of mind. It's the same with the 1918 the nineteen eighteen flu and then this COVID stuff. It'll, if you're like how I was where I'm thinking, wait a minute, is this gonna change everything? And then is every virus gonna be treated this way? And are people always gonna wear masks? And is it always gonna be this kind of nonsense? Is this just a whole new paradigm? It's possible, but it's also possible that they'll just totally drop it because that's what they did in 1918. And if you look at the timelines, they coincided pretty nicely. And if you look at the hysteria, it coincides pretty nicely. And if you look at the masks, it coincides nicely. And so it was weird to not wear a mask in 1919. And it's weird. It was weird to not wear a mask in 2021. But from 19, you know, early 1920s to 2020 or right before then, it was weird to wear a mask. So maybe it'll go back to being weird. That's still a possibility if things are as cyclical as they seem. So it's not like you need to get too worried about it. But obviously, there are different circumstances at play. Taking a sip of water. So anyway, that got a little disjointed. It's okay. It's just a random Wednesday, and I have the day off because it's Yom Kippur, and I'll probably release this tomorrow morning. So let's see. Um, we're gonna talk. We're gonna continue talking about what people say and then what they mean, and it's like in this debate that I was watching with Beto, he kept saying we need our laws to reflect our values, but he never defines the values. And he never really specifically talks about a law that he would propose, at least not what I heard. He's just talking about things that are bad and that don't reflect our values that he never defines. So if someone says, we need our laws to reflect our values, what they're saying is, we need our laws to be what I want them to be. We need our laws to be more like what my ideology allows for. Because American values, when people talk about American values... If a Republican's talking about American values, they're talking about one thing. And if a liberal's talking about American values, they're talking about another thing. The only time that they're talking about the same thing is when the liberal is saying it in a negative way and the conservative is saying it in a positive way. Then there's overlap. (laughs) Because, like, the leftist communist values that the libs believe in are not American values, even though the Libs want them to be. And when the Libs are talking about American values in a positive way, they're talking about those values. But the conservative would never accept those as being American values. Do you see what I'm saying? So you wouldn't have overlap there. But when the liberal is saying, these are dark, destructive values, these American, historical American values, these right-wing historical American values and slavery, they'll they'll bring up slavery or something like that, bad things. And they're doing a straw man version of what the conservatives view as good values. Then you see some overlap where they're actually talking about the same thing. It's just that the lib thinks that's bad and the conservative thinks that's good. And we don't have to necessarily say that those things are all good or all bad. We just can say that they're on the same page, at least with the topic, that they're talking about the same thing. So when Beto's talking about American values, he's talking about nothing. You know, what he's really talking about are liberal values, but the way he's using the word, it's a meaningless phrase. He's just doing political speak. So people can be more comfortable with what he's suggesting. Because they'll be like, well surely I guess those are American values, what he's talking about. Even though they're not. And even though they're undefined. So he never defines them, so they don't really mean anything. You need to define your terms. Or else they're kind of meaningless. But when we're looking at what it actually means, then they have some meaning. And then you realize that it's like double speak. Like the meaning doesn't match the words. It's something entirely different. In some cases, it's literally the opposite, such as in this case, it's kind of the opposite. Maybe not completely, but it's a lot different. So let's look at another example here because I saw this and you can't believe this is still going on in October of 2022 with a lot of these things with regards to COVID with other things as well, but especially with COVID, you're like, it's October 2022 and you're still doing this. And I thought this was from 2021, I assume when I saw it. So this is um, from the Times and it says anti-vaxxers. Sorry, I clicked pause by accident. Um, okay, so it's, it's from the Times and it's from October 3rd, 2022. And it says anti-vaxxers are a global menace who must be defeated. So let's like I'll read the first two paragraphs here. And then let's try to see what this actually means. And besides what it claims to mean. So it says it's by Ara Darzi. I don't know who this is. The latest stage in the battle against COVID-19 has begun. Across the UK, so this is uh, United Kingdom specifically they're talking about. Across the UK, people aged over 50 are being called for vaccination with a booster this autumn to protect them against a likely new wave of infection this winter of death. I added that. But how many will accept it? Accept it is a weird way to say that, don't you think? How many will actually go get their boosters? Maybe that would be a better way to say that. How many will accept it? And then that's accepted into their lives. Like Jesus, that's, that's what Curry always says. The anti-vaccine movement is a growing threat to public health here and across the globe. Over 3.7 million people in Britain, 6.4%, are yet to have a single dose of the COVID vaccine with rates of refusal highest among young adults, the black population, the unemployed, and the deprived. In the United States, 21% are not vaccinated at all. You know, here's what's weird, just reading that second paragraph. Rates of refusal highest among young adults. Okay, so they're the lowest risk, of course. So so that's where it makes the most sense. Um, The black population. See, this is the weird thing. And I was talking about this before the vaccine came out. That that's going to be a weird kind of dichotomy between the pro-vaccine libs who are also black lives matter libs. It's like, you can't be both of these things. The anti -anti anti-vaxxer libs who are pro BLM. It's like, which one of these do you want to be? Because in this it's saying anti-vaxxers are a global menace who must be defeated. And then down here it says the black population. So the black population is a global menace who must be defeated. Is that what we're gleaning from this? (coughs) the unemployed and the deprived, what makes someone deprived exactly? Would that be my classification? Deprived of what? The vaccine? So let's like try to dissect this here. Anti-vaxxers, what is an anti-vaxxer? Because it says the latest stage in the battle against COVID-19 has begun. Across the UK, people aged over 50 are being called for vaccination with a booster. So is an anti-vaxxer, so now someone who doesn't want to get the booster is an anti-vaxxer too? Is that how we're defining it now? I mean, of course, that is how we're defining it now. But the point is that, when we read this headline, it's it's extremely unclear what is meant by this. It means nothing, but it does mean something. Anti-vaxxer. What do you mean exactly? Someone who never got a vaccine? What if they got the two initial doses and, a, and then they got a booster, but now they're not going to get this booster? Is that person now an anti-vaxxer? So how big is this population that you're now talking about? Because then they try to make the perception that this is a tiny percentage. So they go 6.4% haven't gotten a single dose. So are those the anti-vaxxers? There's only 6.4% anti-vaxxers. Because if you look at who hasn't gotten all of the doses, you're talking about a huge percentage. And then you're going to kind of lose this... um, you know, this perception the public has that like everyone's doing it, everyone's doing their part. When you get down to this latest booster, you're like, oh, well, why the fuck would I get it if 80% of people didn't get it either? I don't know if it's 80%. I don't know what the percentage is, but I know it's more than 6.4% or in America, 21% as this article said. But then we need to, we need to really the crux of it is here. Anti-vaxxers are a global menace who must be defeated. What does that mean? So how do you defeat an anti-vaxxer? This is where things get kind of weird. This is where things get kind of creepy. How do you defeat an anti-vaxxer? Like in a battle? Do you duel them? Do you shoot them in the chest? What is being suggested here really? And there's, of course, political connotations when it comes to anti-vaxxer, like that's a right-wing person, generally, or that's how those things have been linked together, even though there's plenty of left-wing people who also, a lot of those are left-wingers who don't know that they're right-wingers, but they're not vaccinated either. So how do you defeat them? I mean, let's do a thought experiment here. How do you defeat an anti-vaxxer? Do you defeat them by making them vaccinated? Does that solve the problem? So what's the problem? If people aren't getting vaccinated, then the virus continues to spread, which is a lie, as we know. But to them, it's not. Or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe this is just an assertion of your will. Over another person, do what I say. It's possible that that's kind of the angle that they have, but how do you defeat them then? Because what if they get the vaccine? Here's a question What if they get the vaccine and they even keep getting the boosters, but they keep talking about how dangerous the vaccine is? Is that person defeated? Have you defeated that anti-vaxxer? Like, what if the person says, what if you have a person who's anti-vax, who thinks all vaccines are bad? Let's not even go with just the COVID vaccine. Let's say this person says, I think every vaccine is bad and dangerous. And I'm going to raise awareness about this and I'm going to share, you know, articles and I'm going to share studies that corroborate my point. But I'm going to get every booster. It's not inconceivable that this type of person could exist, where they'll say, you know what, just so you can't give me shit, I'm going to go and get these boosters. Just so you shut the fuck up about me being an anti-vaxxer, I got them all, but I hate vaccines. So I'm a different kind of anti-vaxxer. I'm a vaccinated anti-vaxxer. Could you classify that person as defeated I don't think that's what they mean when they say that the global menace of anti-vaxxers need to be defeated. I don't think they mean, see, this is where it goes to us, this is where it goes further. <laughs> this person Ara, who's probably a woman, that sounds like a woman's name, but it might not be. This person Ara is saying that anti-vaxxers need to be defeated. Would this person Ara be satisfied? If the anti-vaxxers were were vaccinated, but we're still against vaccination and, for example, maybe said, I don't want kids to get vaccinated anymore. I don't want the next generation to be vaccinated. Would that qualify as defeated? You know, this is a very, uh, this is what we mean when we're trying to get to the bottom of like, what's really being said? And you could apply this to so many things. When you see these articles and these headlines, like what does it actually mean? And we'll go through some headlines and try to figure out what they actually mean because I have a bunch here. What does it actually mean? We'll try to see how many of these are what they actually mean and how many of these aren't what they actually mean and then what they do actually mean. Because I've had these for, let's see, since this goes back to like September 19th. So like, Two and a half weeks, maybe even less. Um, So would ARA be satisfied if a person still hated vaccines but was vaccinated? What's the answer to that? What do you think? Because to me, it would probably be no. I think ARA would be unsatisfied by this. I think ARA would say it's not enough to just be vaccinated. It's not enough to just be boosted, says ARA. You need to be actively pro-vaccine. You need to be either keeping your mouth shut or saying only good things about vaccines. And so how do you defeat that person? Do you shut down their social media? Is that defeat as far as ARA is concerned? But what if this person who's vaccinated and boosted doesn't get their child vaccinated and boosted? Are they defeated? Do you think ARA would view them as being defeated? I don't know if Arrow would view them as being defeated. I think Arrow might say that person is undefeated or not yet defeated. Perhaps they've not been defeated enough. And maybe we need to take away this person's ability to determine whether or not their child can get vaccinated. Maybe that would be defeat. But what if we do that? So what if we go to this person and we say, we're taking your child away from you, they're gonna be vaccinated and then we'll give them back. Okay? And if there's, if there's boosters in the future or new vaccines and you refuse to get the child vaccinated, we will take the child away again. We'll vaccinate them. We'll give the child back. Is that enough? Is that enough to defeat them? Well, What if this parent with their vaccinated child says, I'm so sorry that this was done to you and I did everything I could to stop it. And you need to make sure that when you grow up and you have children, that this same thing doesn't happen to them. Well, that's not acceptable. They're not defeated. Ara says, you've not been defeated. Why are you still resisting? And you want this next, next generation to try to resist? I don't think that's acceptable. Maybe we need to take the children away entirely. Maybe the state needs to raise the children. But then, This vaccinated person's allowed everywhere still because they're not unvaccinated. We can't keep them out of establishments. What if they're out of the bar drinking and they're telling their friends, their comrades, about some of the dangers of vaccines? Is this person defeated? I mean, they're vaccinated. Their kid's vaccinated. We took their kids away. But they're still running their mouth out at the bar. They're still running their fucking mouth. This person's not been defeated. So what do we do? Yeah, I guess we got to put them in the camp. What else could we possibly do? The jails aren't big enough. There's a lot of these people. It's 6% of the population in the United Kingdom. Maybe more. It might be 20%, 30% of the population. These are dangerous menaces to the global world of the globe of democracy. How could we possibly abide... How could we possibly... Allow these people to exist in everyday society. This menace to exist amongst us. All of this is to say that what does it mean? What does it mean to be an anti-vaxxer menace to the globe who must be defeated? And what is defeat? That's what you got to ask yourself when you see these things, because what's being implied here, perhaps it would be overly alarmist to say that what's being described here could be interpreted as extermination. It could be, but at the very least, I don't see how you could possibly interpret that as anything other than like at least forced vaccinations. Could you interpret that any way? Could you interpret that any other way? The defeated part, that they must be defeated. I mean, maybe, maybe you could say they need to be silenced. And that if they continue to persist in their speech against the global health, health regime, they should be arrested and thrown in jail. So their dangerous ideas can't spread. I mean, that's like basically the nicest interpretation I can give. For what's being implied by a headline like this in an article like this. And then you add in the the little cherry on top is that a lot of black people are going to have to go in jail for their views. Because they're not complying. And that's the white liberal for you. Sip of water. So. I'm gonna read some of these headlines. Let's see. this one says that I just kept sending these to myself. This one's from the Huff Post, which like they don't even call themselves the Huffington Post anymore. I mean, Huff Post just sounds like it just doesn't sound as professional as Huffington Post. It doesn't sound like you're really gonna get the hard hitting news from Huff Post. This one says. Nancy Pelosi spills the beans on how Democrats can keep control over the House. What a weird headline. This one actually probably does mean what it's saying here. But what a weird way to write it. Like, Nancy Pelosi spills the beans on how Democrats can keep control over the House. She wasn't going to tell anyone, but she just spilled the beans on Jimmy Kimmel. She spilled her beans all over Jimmy's face. Why would you say spilled the beans? Why would Nancy want to withhold this information from anyone? Well, I know I'm the Speaker of the House and I'm a member of the Democratic Party, and I know how we can retain the House, but I'm not going to tell anyone I'm not spilling the beans. I'm Nancy Pelosi. I wouldn't spill the beans. I'm not going to spill the beans. I'm keeping the beans intact. They will not be spilled. These will be unspilled beans. She spills the beans on how Democrats can keep control over the House. Now, I don't really care about the article. and We're not going to read any. We're just going through headlines here. So that one actually, it it isn't um, disguising what it actually means. It's just written in a dumb way. So whoever wrote that headline is dumb, but they weren't liars. That, was, that wasn't a liar. So Nancy Pelosi explains how Democrats can keep control of the House. That's what it was. She didn't spill the beans. That implies that you don't want this information or that it's a secret. And you're like, hey, I'm going to spill the beans. I'm going to spill the beans on how we do this. No, you're not. You're just explaining how you do this. Next headline is from Salon and this is Italy's new prime minister who's a woman but she's not a girl boss because she's right wing you can only be a girl boss if you're left wing so this says yes Italy's new prime minister is really a fascist the old-fashioned kind so what can we determine from this well usually (laughs) I just said usually and it's kind of ironic with what I'm about to say I learned this from Joshua Lysek, who's a ghostwriter, a a very successful ghostwriter. But when you're looking at adverbs or adjectives, they can kind of tell a different story sometimes. Yes, Italy's new prime minister. Let's just read it uh, differently. Let's replace really with not. Yes, Italy's prime minister is not a fascist. The old-fashioned kind. You could do that kind of as an exercise when you see things like this is really this or this is certainly this or this is blank this we all do that kind of thing and especially like it's one thing when you're just talking or when you say basically and then someone could say oh so you don't really know because you're saying basically and that might be true but When you're looking at a news headline, which had to go through an editor, there's a reason why that word is there. And that applies more to things like basically than words like really or essentially. When someone says essentially or basically, what they're saying is, we have no way to prove this. When someone says really a fascist in this sense, she's not a fascist. So you can just read it that way. Yes, Italians... Yes, Italy's new prime minister is not a fascist. The old-fashioned kind. I I want to see, the, actually, I'll read a little bit of this one. Let's see what's going on here. The first woman to hold office of hold the office of prime minister in Italy is a fascist. This is not hyperbole or metaphor. It is. Or some headline-grabbing device used to smear a conservative. It is. No. The fact is that Giorgia Maloney leader of the largest party after Italy's recent elections is fascist to her core. The old-fashioned, last century Roman salute in public, kind of fascist. The fact is clear enough in Italy even if Maloney, in order to neither in, in order neither to admit nor deny that she is fascist, performs semantic acrobatics, such as stating that fascism is now consigned to history, whatever that is supposed to mean, So they do it too. They're like, when she says fascism consigned to history, what does she really mean by that? Whatever that's supposed to mean. And they're entitled to do that as well. As well as we are. But we can look at this article and we can say, what are you really trying to say here? What are you really trying to say here? What are you not trying to say here? Italy's new prime minister is really a fascist. Let's see if we can find some better examples here. Oh, here you go. Biden. Maloney's victory in Italy is a warning for American democracy. So when we see democracy at work abroad, that is a warning for American democracy. Because that means democracy might happen in America. What would we do? See, something happened in Italy, which is unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. People voted. And they democratically elected someone that we don't like. And that same thing, that same thing could happen in the democratic bastion that is the American Republic. In the United States of America, very soon even, we might have democracy happen. And that would be the greatest threat The greatest possible threat to our democracy would be democracy in action and we can't have that it's like what do these things mean it's a warning for american democracy hey these right wingers are becoming popular all over the world i mean look what happened in italy we need to save democracy from them okay how do we do that well they shouldn't be allowed to vote okay But then are we saving democracy or are we ruining it? Well, we're saving it. Why? Why is that? I thought democracy was when everyone voted. Yeah, but they're going to vote the wrong way. Okay, so we don't want democracy anymore, right? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. We do want democracy. We want to save it. Okay, so we're going to vote? Yeah, well, some of us. Yes, yes. Some of us are going to vote. Okay, but then... If people aren't allowed to vote, then that would be, this would be something different, right? Are you calling it something different than democracy? No, 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 no. it's democracy. Okay, Um, but what if the right wing won anyway? Well, then that wouldn't have been democracy. That would have been fascism. This is always the way it's described. Oh, my God. Hard right candidate, Georgia Maloney, prevail as a warning of what could befall the United States if the nation's politics succumbed for and authority and it's below. I can't believe this. I can't believe democracy happened. Um, here's Here's a good one. Russian troops raped and tortured children in Ukraine, UN panel says. That one's like, these aren't. I was just getting these not necessarily as examples of headlines that say one thing but mean another thing. I was more just like, wow, that's insane. I should read about that on the on the on the podcast, but I don't want to read you these articles. Set up by the UN to probe the co- conduct of the war, um, based on evidence gathered by the commission, has concluded that war crimes have been committed in Ukraine. I was talking to Lauren about this the other night, like. would you need first of all like a liberal is going to read that and say that happened and you'd say well do you need any evidence someone posted a picture and they said well the russians are bombing children's uh children's shelters and they posted this picture of just like a bombed out structure it didn't look like a shelter it didn't it looked like maybe it was like a factory or something and it was just bombed to smithereens I have no idea if it was even in Ukraine or not. They posted this as proof. So you'd say, "Wait, you know that there were children in there?" Yes. It was a children's shelter, and the Russians knew as well. Yes, they did. That's why they bombed it. Well, how do you know? Well, look at this picture. Well, that looks like it be. It could be anything. It's a children's shelter. Well, how do you know that? Because it's a. It's because it's a picture of a children's shelter. Okay, but are you but you're saying like you you're definitely sure that this was a children's shelter and there were children in there like did they find bodies? Well, I don't know. But it's look at the picture, it's completely bombed and hollowed out. Well, is that even in Ukraine? Well, yeah, there's grass. It's not like Afghanistan. Look at how much grass there is. Of course it's Ukraine. What else could that possibly be? That's enough for them. So when they say, well, the UN panel said that Russian troops are raping and torturing children. They're like, well, yeah, of course that's true. I saw the headline. Obviously that's true. Okay. Do you need any proof of that? Well, the, the proof is in the headline. It's in the pudding. The pudding is the headline. Taking a sip of water. Um the kremlin must be in crisis that one says the kremlin must be in crisis what it really what it what its the the subtext there is i hope the kremlins in crisis that's what that that's what that title actually is i hope the kremlins in crisis Vladimir Putin clearly in a panic as Ukraine forces advance into occupied territory. Again, that one is I hope Vladimir Putin's panicking, and I hope Ukrainian forces are advancing into occupied territory. <clears throat> so we'll close it out. We've been doing it for an hour. This has been very disjointed and unorganized, and I apologize for that. Hopefully, there were some good points within there, and you found it somewhat entertaining. We'll close it out by, by I'll say this. I saw some people arguing over the war in Ukraine because of what Elon Musk posted. He basically just posted like some reasonable um, terms for peace, where it's like, He said the UN, they should have votes like for to see they should do these same votes again, but they should have it advised by the UN to make sure that there aren't Russians holding pistols on people's foreheads while they vote. Okay, that's reasonable. And if they vote, whichever way they vote, that should be honored. Okay, that's fine. He was called the Russian puppet for suggesting that. And then he also said Crimea should be, there shouldn't be a vote in Crimea. That should just be completely acknowledged as Russian territory, which it has been historically most of the time. Which is like, are we even talking about Crimea here? Like, that's been off the table. That's never been a part of this particular conflict. So it's pretty reasonable to say that, I would say. And, you know, the, the Ukrainian flag people were just losing it over these suggestions. But a lot of people were saying, you know, and then his his contention was that, look, this is going to happen either way. It would just be better to do it now because, because then less people would die. And some people were saying, well, the liberals don't care. The liberals don't care how many people have to die. They're even willing to go to nuclear war, to start a nuclear war with Russia over this. And then maybe not even the liberals, because you got like Adam Kinzinger, who's basically a liberal but identifies as a Republican. And they want it more than anyone, some of the rhinos. And so, but the reality there is no, they don't, it's not that they don't care how many people have to die to inflict more damage on Russia it's that they don't care how many ukrainians have to die that's the distinction of course they care about their own lives and they would never sacrifice anything really the wealthy ones would spend a little more on gas they don't mind that and maybe a little more on food or or things like that that's the extent of their sacrifice but they were not they're not they're not interested in going to some existential war directly between the united states and russia all they're interested in or all they don't care about are how many ukrainians have to die to weaken the russians to a point that they see as acceptable on the world stage and then literally like the people of russia how many russians can die in this war of attrition before all the ukrainians are dead because russia has way more people So if it was just a straight-up war of attrition, then Russia would win that too. But maybe a lot of them could die before all of the Ukrainians died. Not literally all of them, but all of their soldiers. So no one cares less about the Ukrainian people than the Ukrainian flag people. Unless they're from Ukraine, but most of what you're seeing isn't people from Ukraine. It's people from the United States getting all up in arms about what's going on over there. When in a year when it's over they won't care just as they didn't care before but for the time being they're willing to sacrifice as many ukrainians as it takes as has been the case since the beginning but it's even more true now where people are trying to be like hey can we just stop this like this is really stupid just give them the fucking territory or just let them do a real vote where you'd actually accept the results But they don't want a UN-advised vote to take place in these regions because, again, it would just be the same outcome. They would vote to leave and not be governed by Kiev any longer. It might not be 95%. It might only be 85%. But they would vote to leave. So that's not an acceptable term. Those aren't acceptable terms for them. So they say, listen, we're not accepting that, but we will allow significantly higher number of ukrainians to die before we inevitably accept that as the reality even though we'll never fully accept it and we'll still be mad about it for probably two and a half to three weeks after it happens before we forget about it entirely and all those ukrainians will have died for absolutely nothing and we don't really care about that so you know what i'll try to do for next time i'll try to find more examples of these Types of headlines or tweets or statements from some of the white liberals, things like anti-vaxxers are a global menace who must be defeated. And we can kind of analyze it and have fun trying to figure out what it is they're actually trying to say. And we can even find some, because this is a perfect example, where you're like, this could sincerely be interpreted as someone saying... Anti vaxxers need to be eliminated. And I don't even think that's that much of a stretch. I don't even think that's necessarily like, I don't even think that's necessarily um, total, his, like a hysterical interpretation. Because you just need, what does defeated mean? We just went through it. What does that mean? And especially when you're talking about defeating a menace to all of society. Like, if something's a menace to all of society, what would you suggest we do to it? It's nothing nice. Anyway, thanks for listening. I love you, as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon.